It's really nice to be speaking English. We've been out of the country for this past week. We didn't get in until literally 3.45 this morning. So yeah, I'm running on just a couple hours of sleep. But I'm excited about today. Today's going to be such a fun day. Uh, lots of first-time guests in the house, and uh, we're really happy that you're here. Today's a great day to be here. It's just going to be a, a great day to get to know people and just enjoy this beautiful weather that we have today. I couldn't ask for any better weather today. And, and we just want to say as a church family, if this is your first time here, we just want to say from the bottom of our hearts, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. We do pray that this is a place where you can grow not only in your faith, but in family. We feel like the two are both very intri- intricately connected, more than we can probably ever think or, or imagine. Um, how, how closely connected the, the walk of faith that we're walking with and how co- connected it is to the body of Christ. You can't host the groom um, without also hosting the bride, and you can't you know, um, you know, really walk through this journey without being a part of the body of Christ. You can't just take the head without being a part of the body, and so we're thankful you're here. So uh, we've been in a, a journey over the past uh, month. We had a guest speaker here this past week, but uh, the earlier parts of, of this month, we were looking in this series called the ABCs of Financial Freedom, and, and really we were diving into to a couple of things that really, God wants freedom for us. Not in just some, some kind of like outer space idea of freedom in our lives, but in the most practical manners of our life. Things like relationships. Things I don't know if anything's more practical than money. Every decision we make, every thought process begins with, how's that going to affect my cash flow? What's it going to cost me? What's that going to look like financially? We count those costs in every aspect of our life when we're switching cell phone plans or we're purchasing a new car or selling one. What's this going to look like? Everything kind of runs through this filter of money. So it's no wonder that the scriptures speak so often about money. Jesus talked about money almost more than anything else in the scriptures, with the exception, uh, even more than heaven and hell, except for the kingdom of God, he talked about money. Money was always connected. He knew that, and really it's not about the money, it was all about our heart, and God knows to get to our heart, he's got to get through our wallet. And we started this series by looking at freedom really begins in in, uh, the life of a believer by, by this thing called faith and really trust. Like, can we trust God? Even the whole idea of the word trust is connected to finances, right? Isn't that I mean we talk about a, a, a trust that it's going to be there? And so we're going to be digging into that a little bit more today. But that's kind of where we got started. And can we trust God by the principles he set forth in Scripture? Not because of everything worked out. We looked at a passage in Malachi 3, 10 that talked about the principle of, of tithing. And, and can we trust God at the principle? And he gave us the purpose for it. And he showed us the promises that come with it and the, and the power that happens when we join together. That Some of you have taken on that challenge. And and I know God's working in your life. And then we really looked at, at the idea of contentment and, and f- that idea of freedom really coming to fruition, starting with this foundation of trust, but going into this where Jesus said that you can't love both you know, God and money. You've you got to choose. Uh, is money going to be your God or is, is God going to be your God? And Because uh, it affects every decision that we make and everything runs through that. And he said you can't do both. And what we kind of dug into is that a lot of us, we're, we're kind of driven. That's kind of the first place we go is how's it going to affect my money, not as God asking me to obey in something. And, and so we're just digging in slowly but surely into this idea of, of freedom. And, and so today I, I want to talk about how this idea of contentment and this idea of trust and, and this, this freedom from the love of money and this idea of faith really connect and, and how it makes this incredible impact, not only um, in the kingdom and not only like in, in the body of Christ and not only in other people's lives, but it makes an impact in our lives, and uh, there's a real beauty there. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the scriptures today. We're going to be going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
here in just a couple moments. It's funny kind of the dualistic nature that we have, especially as believers, that we were born into sin and like we're all flesh. And, and so like our, our flesh desires one thing and like our spirit desires another. And there's always this kind of battle going back and forth. I see this with my son, especially when it comes to the idea of kind of generosity. And, and that's kind of what we're digging into today. Um, like, Becca is so sweet. He's just the sweetest little boy. And, like, he, he wants to, he'll bring something to his brother, like, in one second, and, like, want to bring him something, and, like, brings him a toy here, blah, blah, play with that for a second. And then, not even two minutes later, he goes and he rips it out of his hand. You know, it's like the same sweet boy. And I think if we even actually looked at ourselves, there's something within us every once in a while that wants to grab it and hold on. And there's other parts of us and other parts of our day where we just want to freely given. It's just kind of this battle, I think, that we find in all walks uh, of life, whether it's, you know, a homeless person on the street, or if it's, you know, our little brother when they say they, they need something or, or want something. And so it's just an incredible kind of dual nature. But I want us to begin to dig into this idea of generosity, because I really believe that's what I want our church to be known for, not only for just our love for one another that Jesus asked and desired for us to be known for that, but to also be known for our extreme generosity to the world. And that's what we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And so we're going to pick up at verse 6. Pick up at verse 6 at a very familiar text that most everyone will have heard of uh, and recognize. And that's kind of going to be our, our starting point to launch into the rest of, of this text. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Just stay right there for just a second. We know this phrase, like we've heard that before. I think most everyone in the room would believe that. Like if you want to, you know, uh, reap a, a child that has, um, you know, you want to have a great relationship with your child, or you want to carry on a godly legacy, then you have to so in, you have to sow into that relationship with your children. If you want to, you know, reap a harvest of a, you know, a, a CD or something in, in the, with a savings bond or something, you, you put that in there, you, you, you're not going to reap anything unless you put something in there. If it just sits in the, the .00001 savings account, you're not going to reap anything. But when it's moved into something, we know how that works. Uh, Brenda Bradley's working on our garden out here, and we're going to see some cool tomatoes. She's doing watermelon. That's going to be a cool day when everybody gets like a slice of watermelon after church here in a few months. Uh, but we know that when it comes to gardening, like you're not going to reap anything unless you plant something. I think it's a very, you know, uh, you know, just something that resounds with everyone. We know that this principle is true. Let's continue. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you decide in your heart. Let me just set up this text at the first part. Paul's, Paul is the author here. He's just a pastor of churches, and he, he's, it was a different thing. There wasn't like just a pastor of one church. He pastored lots of churches. There wasn't like a guy that got up to speak. There was a bunch of people that would do, and he was raising up. So that's the type of thing we want to do is constantly raising people up here. But he's kind of pouring into the people, and he's encouraging them. He's sending other people to encourage them because they've been givers. Like they've been making ministry happen. They've been pushing min, uh, missionaries forward. They've been helping to plant churches, uh, helping pastors to go plant churches, apostles to plant churches. And so he's encouraging them in this and bringing some things back and building a foundation for this kind of thing they've been doing here. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I, I, remember, I used to tour doing some worship stuff um, back when I, I was in college, and, and I remember being, I think it was in like a smaller town, like in Virginia or West Virginia, and so we'd go into church, we'd lead worship and, and stuff, and 
And there was this pastor, man, and I, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. My wife is a pastor's kid. We've been around church, okay? But this was like one of the most awkward things I've ever been a part of in a church because the, the pastor got up and uh, it was like time to like do an offering or, or receive an offering or something. And he's like, I need $5,100 bills right now. And, and so he did that. We're like, well, dude, that's like, go for it. I mean, it was a decent sized church. Go for it. And so he, he, like, he would just wait. Like, it was like a 30-minute, like, taking up the offering. I think it was super long and super awkward for everybody in the room. And uh, he, he did that. And so he did, like, a, a $100 thing. And, and I don't know how many got. He, he might have got 10 or 12 of them. And just people would raise their hand, and they'd bring up $100. And they were doing it for some missionary thing, or maybe for, it was for us on the road. I honestly don't remember. But, um, and then he got done with the $100 bill, and he goes, I need 20 $50 bills. And he just starts going down, like, the different bills, and he does $20 bills, and he does $10 bill, $5, and he does $1. And it seriously took up, like, 30 or 40 minutes, and it was super awkward. God doesn't want you to give reluctantly or out of compulsion because someone's, like, begging you or, like, convincing you. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And I think oftentimes we just... We give, and I think making it this prayerful mindset and doing it with such an attitude that would honor God and, and show him the type of attitude that we have towards him and, and a gratitude towards him. I, I found this video on YouTube of these folks in the Bahamas and how they do their, off, like how they receive their tithes and offering each week. And, I, and they do this every single week. The Bahamas, different culture than America. Um, but so they put like their offering buckets or baskets up front and then um, one day th this happened right here. my favorite part. Oh, almost nailed her. <laughs> I thought he did the worm. I guess I was just wanting him to do the worm. Um, and so later when we, you know, received Tide's offering, you guys are, are free to do that. I knew was, he was excited about bringing his gift. I don't know what he dropped in there, but he was stoked about it. And just, it was just such a great video of, it's a, a, just such a, a, an excitement about bringing, everybody was doing a little dance, a little jig up there. Um, but uh, he was really excited about it and wanted to show his moves, and he was, he was a pretty good dancer. I, I love that part where he somersaults and almost like nails the lady that would have messed up his dance moves. Um, but God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And so when we, we come to, to give to the Lord, like, don't give it under compulsion. Don't give it under because anyone asks you. Give it because the Lord rewards it. And we're going to dig into a little more of, of how God views our, our generosity. Let's look at, at verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. I, I think this is such, we were talking about trust. We started this journey with trust and this whole idea of generosity has to be kind of set with a foundation of those first three words after the word and, that wasn't even in the Greek. God is able, 
Like that has to be the foundation. God is able, like do we actually believe that God is able? And I think many of us as believers, as believers, as Christians, like if we really start looking ourselves in the mirror and like we're going through things, we're stressed about things, we're worrying about everything. That was one of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago, worry, how gratitude combats worry. We're so worried about it. It's because in essence we don't believe that God is able. We don't believe that God is able. There's uh, after we had our, our second child, Camden, he's uh, about a year and a half now, which is crazy. If you guys know like any tricks to get a lazy baby to like start walking, we need to know because <laughs> he can walk. Like he can walk. We've seen him walk, but he just likes crawling. Whatever. Besides the point. But right after we had him, like things were tight. We were still adjusting to like two babies, like more diapers, like getting back in that. Our other son was starting. He was in like you know preschool and so we're paying for that and just bills had changed we're still trying to adjust and and everything and things were tight and like it was just getting tougher on our marriage I think you just have to learn and and kind of know how to how to deal with things and and we just needed we knew that we needed this practice of a date night we did but when it comes down to it we didn't like have the money like to pay babysitters we didn't have like the money to go out to eat and like things were just tight like that's just the reality of it but the, it was a real thing where I, I just looked at my wife, and I'm like, babe, we've got to do this. Like, it's got to hit our calendar. And like last series, we were talking about marriage, and so here's just another thing on that. And I was like, we've got to do this. And I think at the essence of what we had to come through is God's able. God's going to provide. We need to put his priorities that he tells us to put, the things he tells us to invest in, the, the areas we need to sow into, which at that time in our life, it was our marriage, and it's always going to be our marriage. We always need to invest in that. But we had to say, God's able, he, we're going fi- to figure it out, he's going to make it happen, but we've got to take the steps towards that, and I think that's what this is really saying to us. Do we believe that God's able? So then all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. Keep, let's keep reading. As it's written, they've freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. The idea of seeds is still in my mind. They're just like scattering seeds out in the field. Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Catch that. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of more, like more seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Will enlarge the harvest of, of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's go back to uh, verse 10 for just a second. Uh, I, I've, some, some of you may know uh, Pastor Jesse Pickett that served here and helped us, helped us launch, this, launch this church. I, got, I met Jesse the same week I, I met my wife, um, just coming right out of high school. We were working at this summer camp, this Christian summer camp, and I was working with like sports stuff and like recreational stuff, and he was a counselor. And we had this pool, and like, so we went out to this pool uh, one day, and I was kind of buddy-buddy that week, his first week getting to know each other and hanging out. And uh, there was, like, you know, chairs around the pool, as, as there would be. And uh, he came up, and he was, like, watching his kids. His kids are going to jump in the pool, but he's not going to jump in. He's just going to be Mr. Cool Counselor sitting on the side. And uh, so he comes up to this chair, and there's, like, some shoes and, like, maybe some towels and stuff sitting in there. And uh, he just picks it up and puts it on the table and sits down in the chair. Nothing crazy. A couple minutes later, this dude walks up, and he's like, Hey, dude, you moved my stuff out of that chair? And he's like... Yeah, bro, it's like right here. He's like, well, my, I had my stuff there. He's like, you want to like pick a fight over like the towel and thing. You guys have probably seen something like this happen before. And Jesse lets out one of the funniest lines you'll ever hear, especially in context. 
And he goes, chairs are for sitting, bud. It, it was just this great comment that was so sharp and so like edged like towards him. Chairs are for sitting, bud. And I think verse 10 tells us something that Jesse was saying there, that chairs are for sitting and seeds are for sowing. And the one who, who supplies that seed for us is God. God's the one that supplies the seed, and he's going to increase and give us more store of seed that we can plant more, whether that be encouragement or, or, or finances or whatever area. He's going to increase those things so that we can do that. And so really the second thing that we've really got to, to get into is what happens here. He's going to enlarge the harvest of our righteousness. God wants to enlarge. That's the, the second point, if you'll throw that up, if you're taking notes this morning. God increases the harvest of our righteousness. What does that really mean? Is that, it means that God wants to do something inside of us through our giving. Righteousness is it's this kind of big, kind of fancy word, but it simply means right thinking and right doing, according to God, not according to God, Kyle, or, or God, you, like lowercase g, and the God we make ourselves. God wants to do something in us through our giving and increase the harvest. And many times when we're going to sow, we think about everything that that seed's going to bring up and what's going to happen and who's going to eat off of it and what it's going to do for that person. And what we don't calculate and what we can't calculate is what it's going to do inside of us. I get asked all the time about what you've learned about church planning and what you've learned about this stuff. And that. I get asked that all the time. And, and I, always, I always come back to the exact same thing. And it's this phrase right here. I, I calculated everything on this journey, but I couldn't calculate what God was going to do in me through my obedience. You can't calculate that. Like, you can try to think through what it's going to do for someone else. Well, man, this is going to help them pay that bill, and it's going to do that. You can't calculate what God's doing in your heart through your obedience, and it makes a huge, huge difference. God increases the harvest of our righteousness, and that's just like a, a bonus on top of really the essence and the purpose of why we give and why we're generous. Let's continue reading. This uh, go back to verse uh, 11 real quick, and, and let's, let's keep moving down to verse 12. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. He's going to give you more seed so you can keep being generous. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Like, this is going to happen. Something else is going to happen here. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, meeting these superficial needs, but it's also overflowing into something much deeper and many expressions of thanks to God. It's not just having this superficial kind of meeting the need of like giving someone bread for a moment, but it's, it's, it, it, it's starting something down within that, ex, that results in an expression of overflowing thanks to God. I think just like we can't calculate what God's going to do in us, we can't calculate what it's going to do in someone else's life when we give, when we're generous. We, we can't really put that into words. I, I tell this story a lot, and so forgive me. I feel like I, I may turn into one of those, those guys that just tell the same stories all the time. You know what I mean? But there's these moments in my life that have transformed me, and this is, this is one that I share a lot. And it's really the moment that I, I just really understood. I'd grown up in church. I'd been around stuff, but no preacher could get across to me what uh, a small Mexican girl got across to me with a tiny little gift of a pink and turquoise and white um, bracelet that she gave me when I was in Mexico on my first mission trip at age 15. 
No, no message, no altar call could do what happened in that moment, in the, in the next 24 hours after that moment, of this small gift. And this girl, she probably made these things all the time, to be quite honest. She probably loved to hand them out to people. But on our whole group, she, she picked me out and, um, and handed me this, this bracelet. And uh, it, it became just so overwhelmingly powerful in my life as I understood that she chose me and, and really gave me this gift. And it, it, I've now told this story all over the world. And I used to wear that bracelet everywhere I went until uh, I believe, I think I was in Peru at the time on another mission trip many years later, probably, I don't know, 10 years later or something. I've been wearing this bracelet, keeping it around for 10 years and been telling the story about what God's done in my life through this gift of this girl, and been, I've told that on several continents, and, and shared that in churches, and, and to many people, and we're leaving, we're getting ready to leave an area where we've been doing ministry that had been hit with an earthquake um, out, outside of Lima, you might have remembered that big earthquake that happened out in Lima years ago, back in like 2007 or something, and, um, or 2006, and uh, and this child, like, pointed to my bracelet. Like, uh, my Spanish is really broken. Pointed to my bracelet and was just like, I want your bracelet. <laughs> and um, it, was t- it was a moment. Like, it was a, it was a moment. As much as the moment of her giving it, the, the moment of what just happened of him or her, I don't even remember if it was him or her, asking me for it because I was so overwhelmed, like, looking at my bracelet, like, am I going to do this? That it, it, was, it was just heavy for me. Because now, like, this thing that had meant so much to me, God was giving me an opportunity to, to use a, a very non-spiritual word, pay it forward, and to share the seed that had been planted in my life that I'd scatter all over to give that to another child. And I, I, I did it, and it was so hard for me. I can't, like, describe how hard that was for me. But I've, I've, like, prayed over that tiny little moment many times of, like, God, do in them what you did in me do through that simple little like 25 cent bracelet and gift do in me what what uh, or doing them what you you did in me and we never know what thanksgiving is going to do in somebody else's life we never know what kind of impact um thanksgiving is going to come from that god receives that so it's giving glory to god through us sharing that gift but it gets even deeper than that so we've talked about god loving just the attitude and the cheerful giver that we bring that God increases the harvest of a righteousness, the impact that it has on us and the impact. We can't calculate the impact it's going to have on other people. But there's even something deeper than all of this when it comes to our generosity. And let's look at verse 13, 14, 15 to, to begin to wrap this up. Because of the service by which you've proved yourself, that there was something that happened in giving that, you've proved yourself. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession. There's obedience that comes with that confession. You can't say you believe and not act like you believe. And, and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. Let's continue. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. At the end of the day, why we give is for the glory of God. It's not so that we'll like reap like this great harvest, but that's God's principle, so that's sweet. And it's not because it's going to meet needs of many people. That's a superficial like understanding of what giving and what worship is. 
really the essence of why we give, that God receives glory from our giving, that he's glorified through our obedience. He's glorified through our obedience. And, and no act of obedience, whether big or small, goes in vain. God uses it for his glory. Whether it's walking across the street to just say hello and meet your neighbor for the first time, or whether it's a million-dollar gift, no act of obedience is greater or smaller. If God asks you to do it, he's going to use it for his glory. And so many times we take these small things for granted, or, or even worse, we just tune God out and we're not even listening for his voice, or we're afraid to ask him what he might want from us what he might want. We're afraid to ask because we know it might cost us something. But let me just redirect you again to this list of things right here. Of We don't do it because we got it all figured out. We do it because he deserves the glory. He, and he, he honors our obedience and he longs for our obedience and he works through it. And God receives so much thanksgiving through it. And, and not only all of those things are like amazing, but he also does something in us through that. And we can't calculate that. And I think it makes the whole thing easier to be cheerful when we give. When we see this great, amazing picture of our obedience honors God and it glorifies them, it, it meets needs, and it, not only that, but it does something far deeper in, in bringing expressions of thanks unto God. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm in love with this scripture because of the depth of what it means for our lives, and this very practical thing that God wants to break through, and I, I did this exercise on like a retreat one time, where everyone had a rock, I, I, I'm not giving you a rock today, um, but you had to take the rock, and you had to hold it as tight as you could in your hand for like five minutes, and so that sounds like kind of a lame exercise, until the five minutes is over, and like you, your hand is kind of, you don't know like what you're doing, they're just kind of talking to you about some stuff, maybe reading some scriptures, and then they tell you to like go out, I think it was like to this ledge or something, and try to open your hand, and you're going to release this rock. And I just remember after like five minutes of like holding this, like I couldn't get my hand open. It was so weird. We had gripped it so tight, they'd ask us to keep gripping, and our hand had kind of learned how to be so closed-fisted that like we had to literally, like it was just so hard, it took a while, like not a while, it took like a few seconds for our hand to open up, but way more than what it normally would, and there's this idea of our hand being pried open, and that's how we are many times with the seed that God's giving us, that he's given to us. Our hands are so close shut because they've been so close shut because we're, we really don't believe that God's able because we really aren't honoring him through obedience, or we're just tuning him out all together. And, and sometimes we just got to throw another hand on there and pry it open so that we can be obedient. The Lord can receive glory. Others can, God can receive thanksgiving. God can do something in us through our obedience and through our generosity. I've been so thankful um, of what God's been doing in our church over the past 12 months. I really have. Um, other people might look and, and see different expectations, but I've been very proud of what God's done in and through our body in the past 12 months. We've seen numerous people give their hearts to the Lord. We've seen numerous people um, uh, be baptized. We've seen numerous people, um, uh, we've uh, dedicated numerous babies. Um, we've built like five houses in Cambodia, and we're handing people deeds 
right now. Some of those families are living in their houses. We're going to celebrate that in the month of May as that, that project is wrapped up. And uh, we, we've provided aid to Christians in Syria that are under extreme persecution. Uh, we're now providing an orphanage in, in Kenya for a, a, a girl's dormitory, and we've done so much there. Um, I've been so proud of all those things, but at the essence, I hope that we understand that we're not some group of do-gooders, which is fantastic, like it's amazing, but I hope at the essence, at the very depth of who we are, we believe that God is able, and it's not because we, we overflow in wealth, because we, we do, like we're a rich nation, like we just are, we're rich people, like whether you think you're on the whatever end of the scale, we're rich but I hope that we understand that it's about his glory and for him receiving the glory and the impact that goes beyond that we'll never be able to calculate. And I'll just end it with kind of our coined phrase around here. of It's really unfathomable. We can't understand it of how far and how wide God's going to use our generosity. Whether that's tomorrow at work whether that's in the grocery store on Monday, wherever that's at, you never know. There was this, um, if you can stand with me, we're going to pray, and the band's going to begin to play worship, and we'll come to the table in a few moments, but I want to tell you a story and, and close us in prayer. And I want to pray, pray for you in just a minute. Um, there was this guy, his name was Daniel, uh, and Daniel was uh, an incredible guy. Uh, he spent most of his life on the streets or in prison, one or the other, um, and became a good buddy of mine when we moved to Georgia. Um, he, he wasn't educated at all. Uh, he was a colorblind painter, of all things. Doesn't seem like a good job choice. Um, but he was, and he, he was just a good guy, and we developed this friendship. And he, Daniel was uh, two, almost three times my age, but uh, I had this great opportunity to just pour into his life um, and teach him the scriptures because he had not been around at all in his life. And uh, just built this great relationship with him. And uh, he began to sing, like, in our worship choir and, and lots of cool things. And um, I just saw God moving in his life. And um, I, there was this story that came, came to fruition over the f- about five years that I knew Daniel, um, where, he, he, again, he had spent most of his life in, on the streets or in prison, and he, he had gone hungry a lot of his life, just living on the streets. It's, it's life. And um, he was in Walmart one day, and... Um, he, he, he saw this, this teenage boy, and he, was, he grabbed a pack of hot dogs, and he shoved them in his jacket. And um, Daniel was telling me the story, and it was just a little bit overwhelming for him. He was just so excited to tell the story because he obeyed the Lord in the next few moments. And he was just moved, though, because he saw himself there in most of his life where he was stealing a pack of hot dogs. And, like, if you're going to steal something, like, still an iPod or something, this kid was stealing hot dogs, like, he was obviously hungry, that's literally all he threw in there was a pack of cold hot dogs, and Daniel was just moved because he saw himself right there, and he, he had known God had done so much in his life, and he was still learning and growing, and, and um, he, he, he didn't really say anything about it, didn't want to get the kid in trouble, just like, let, the kid obviously needs it, just <laughs> didn't want to, like, involve the police, and so he, he goes to, like, head out the door, um, this, this kid does, and and Daniel's checking out, and he sees him walking towards the door. He, know, he knows what's about to happen because it's happened to him. He sees him walking towards the door, and Daniel leaves the checkout line and goes sprinting towards this kid and grabs him before he walks past that alarm that Daniel is assuming will go off, and he'll be grabbed, and it's happened to him. 
So he goes, hey man, I, I saw what you did, um, but I don't, I, I, just let me come buy them for you. In fact, let's go get some more food. And so Daniel takes them and they go get some more groceries. Daniel didn't have a lot, but he went and gave, and gave generously to this kid and like loaded him up. And this kid was just overwhelmed. He told him about Jesus, bought the groceries and, and, and let the kid out. And um, such a powerful kind of vision of, of how God gives us seed, God teaches us, he grows us, and, and just to see him do it, Daniel, you know, we could look on the outside, and like Daniel's trying to do a good thing, and help, help somebody out, and we could look at that in that way, but what I really saw in Daniel in that moment was the way he talked about what God was telling him to do, the way that God was speaking to his heart about his obedience to him, and how he wanted something more for this kid, and it was to know about Jesus, and you may have a kid in your path in this next week. You, you may be that person that is, is desperate right now financially, but I want to encourage you to believe that God is able. God's given us all some seed, whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's communication, whether that's your listening ears, whether that's your tools, whether that's your skills. God's given us all seed, and he's given us a lot, and he's going to increase that seed. But prior, prior hands open, let's be obedient to the Lord and just watch what he does with it. Watch what he does in us. Watch what he does in other people's lives. And then we give cheerfully. Like, it's hard to, like, to not, like, want to be a part of that. It becomes addicting. I want to pray for you. There's different types of prayers. There's a, a prayer where, like, we all just pray, and we're all praying towards the Lord. And there's, like, an intercession where someone's, like, way over there, and I'm praying for someone back there and just interceding for someone. But then there's a prayer of agreement where, like, someone um, like myself in this moment will pray a prayer, and I want to ask you to, to just simply listen and receive the prayer and be in agreement with the prayer. And if you don't agree with it, just don't agree with it, okay? No, no big deal. Um, but if you can agree with this and receive it into your hearts, I, I want it to be a, a prayer of blessing and agreement in our lives. And not just about giving, not just about generosity, but simply about trust and about freedom in our finances. If you're in debt, like, believe that God's able to help you get out. If you're struggling for food right now, like, just believe that God's able and he's going to bring those things. All we have to do is be obedient and look to give him the glory. So if you can't agree with me in this prayer, God, I thank you for these people. God, I thank you for these children of yours. God, I pray that if someone here is not a child of God that doesn't call you Father, does not call you Abba Father, does not run to you, God, and, and, and bear their sins at your feet. God, I pray that they would come running today. Their heart would be broken for you today. God, I pray that every single one of us would feel just the, the, the overwhelming embrace of the love of, of you, God, and, and of Christ laying down his life. The biggest gift that anyone could ever give is for you to lay down your life for us, God. And I just pray right now that we would understand that. I pray right now for those that are in debt, God, that debt would be broken in our lives in the next 12 months, God, That's, that something would happen through our obedience, something would click in, in our ability to trust you. Your spirit would come alongside of us and encourage us to be obedient, God. And through that, God, you'd break the bondage of debt, God, in our life. God, I pray for those in the house that are struggling to trust. I pray that in this body, through your spirit, through the word preached, God, our hearts would be encouraged to be obedient and follow after you with all our heart. God, give us the increase of seed that we might scatter it freely among the poor. 
God, above all else, above all things, we pray you receive the glory out of our offerings, out of our gifts, out of our tithes that belong to you, God. We pray that you receive the glory through everything. Pray that, God, it's not just meeting of needs, but, God, it's an expression of thanks, God. I pray that we would give cheerfully today. You'd do something in us. You'd break the chains, God, today, wrapped around our heart. We trust you. We love you. We believe that you are able, God. I just pray that you would do the supernatural, God. You'd multiply the seed. You'd multiply it, and uh, we'd reap a harvest. Christ's holy name.